Let me take a quick break and talk to you about an app I use. It's my weather app. It's called Nautical Eye. The Nautical Eye weather app is the best app that I've found so far. Not only does it give you full comprehensive weather, radar, and satellite, but also tides, water temperatures, and anything else you could possibly think of. Also, you can get fishing reports right on Nautical Eye. Uh, I'd strongly suggest you getting the app, the weather app of Nautical Eye. Today on the Real Guy Podcast, we are fortunate enough to have Susie Bailey as our guest. Susie has an impressive resume as an actress, a TV personality, a sportscaster, and a journalist. She currently lives in Fort Lauderdale and is in love with paddleboarding and our ocean. Currently, Susie is a great advocate and leader for our fight for clean waters here in the state of Florida. It's great to have her on the podcast, and I hope you enjoy our recording with Sue Bailey. Clear the airwaves. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. I've always, I've always loved the water, and um, um, ever since I've been a kid, I mean, we, I was, you know, from the Midwest, and we'd always come down to Florida for holidays, you know, and so yeah. I've been in, you know, around the ocean since I was little, and then, you know, parlayed that into scuba diving and, uh, and you name it, you know, I'm not a fisherman like you, but I did go with my dad many times. <laughs> But, um, but, you know, I've always been, I've also tried to be the voice of those that can't speak, you know, like children, I'd love to do fight for children's causes, um, the environment and, um, you know, and animals, you know, I mean, you think of it, you know, who, who they they need someone to speak for them. And, um, you know, I, I, I was, I'd been paddleboarding and that was my new sport I took up when I had to give up tennis because of my knees. And, um, I just fell in love with paddleboarding. And, um, I, after about a year, I think it was right around a couple of years after I was paddleboarding, um, um, I had heard some people saying, you're not going in that water, but I just sort of ignored it, you know, the our canals. And, um, it was right around, I would say about maybe October, maybe uh, September of 2019. Um, I actually got MRSA. And one of the questions the doctor asked me is if I've been in the, the canals or, you know, the waterways. And I said, yeah, paddleboard. So they, you know, said, you have to stay out of it. That's a, that's a chance you might've gotten it that way. And then, you know, a few months later you hear about, um, you know, the, uh, the group 954 paddle and the woman that got MRSA from mm-hmm. Hells, yeah, near this park. And, right. um, you know, and that brought everybody's, you know, that started making some awareness of people aware of, wow, is there a little problem here? You know, um, that, that along with, um, the over 220 million gallons of toxic waste that was going into our waters that at the beginning, not everyone knew about, and you still were seeing paddleboarders and kayakers and, uh, uh, jet skiers and you name it, you know, people working on boats in this water when you know that the toxicity was, you know, it was basically glowing. And, right. um, you know, so we started, you know, when I got MRSA and then I heard out, heard someone else had got MRSA, then we said, you know, we started attending some of the commission meetings asking for more uh, transparent testing. And unfortunately, from what we found there, the county does four basic tests a year um, of about uh, maybe eight to 10 sites. And of those sites, um, I mean, you know, that are sort of, you know, around all around 
Port, you know, Fort Lauderdale waterways. Um, when you started looking into some of the, you know, those quarterly results, there was a lot of high levels of bacteria, uh, the pathogens right. that actually are some of the causes of MRSA and other um, severe infections. And, um, but unfortunately, many of us didn't know about it. And uh, so, you know, again, there were 954, myself and a few others, you know, started attending a lot of these meetings. You were amazing on, you know, trying to get a lot of the boaters involved after that spill saying, you know, demanding, we know more, we do more cleanup, um, respect our waterways. Um, but again, it, it really took that spill, I think, to start waking some people up. Um, and then a few people, as you, you you read in the paper, that actually got severely sick after that spill. Um, but anyway, to make a long story short, um, you know, it was not it was an uphill battle. Uh, you know, I think the the city, as you sort of informed me when I when I started writing some uh, articles on this, and you helped me with a lot of information. Um, and it was, you know, do we want to know what's really going on in our waterways? Because then, if we know, what what, what can we do? And, you know, but there are those of us like you and me and, you know, uh, Tim and, you know, the number of people that, that, that have been fighting for this, um, we're like, you know, we have to know because, you know, we, people need to know if they're going to go in, if there's a chance they could get extremely sick. And so again, you know, there was, you know, meetings with Dr. Gassman and, you know, again, meetings with commissioners and, you know, just trying to be heard and trying to get people to care. And it's, I think it's not that they didn't care. Um, I think what I found is not everybody realized how many residents and tourists and people from all over South Florida come into these canals and these waterways. And, um, and it's interesting. I think there's levels that they have, they, the state, um, that the, the state requires on bacteria on beaches but they're pretty lenient when it comes to canals because I don't think a lot of people realize how many people get in these canals. Um, when you paddleboard, you know, you have a, a cut on your foot, your feet are getting wet, whether you go in that canal or not. You know, when you're in a, on a jet ski or if you're skiing or you're doing any of, you know, you go to the different um, islands where the, you know, the, we, we, you know, the different areas where people hang out on weekends and they're in these canals. So, right. you know, we tried to, some of us tried to be the voice to the commission saying we have to do more. Um, eventually, uh, you know, uh, I, at one meeting, at a, a pre-agenda meeting, uh, Commissioner uh, Steve Glassman and uh, Brian Donaldson asked me to, you know, they, I think they'd been hearing me so much. <laughs> it was like, okay, who is this Miami Waterkeepers that you're talking about? And, you know, can you bring some information to the table? So that was all I needed. I went to uh, Dr. Rachel Furstein. I she's been wonderful. She gave me a lot of information. I got the exact figures of how much it would cost to test um, ten sites in our, um, you know, our local area, our local waterways here. Um, what the yearly, uh, monthly cost, the yearly cost would be, um, and you know, found out that they would link up with um, uh, safe, uh, you know, uh, safe beaches and uh, what's it. Um, I'm sorry, I've got so many different documents here, um, you know, but, you know, they, you know, that we could link up with all the information that they give and uh, start a diagnostic program that's definitely needed. And um, so I brought this information back and when they, you know, because when I had asked, they'd, they'd, they'd made it sound like it would just be astronomical to start testing these waters. 
Um, right. I found out it wasn't. You know, for a hundred thousand dollars a year, we were able to say test ten sites and get biweekly testing results, and that's that's amazing. And, right, especially um, when you look at the amount of money that they spend on other stuff, you would think, well, you know, a hundred thousand bucks is you know very reasonable considering. Exactly. You know, they spent I mean, so much money on doing other stuff. Now, did you, were you involved in local politics before the, your um, awareness of the pollution in the, in the canal system? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I, I would go to pre-agenda meetings um, just because I, I care. Um, mm-hmm. I'd like to know what's going on where I live. But I've never really been... Uh, one to be vocal. Um, I'm I'm not that type of. I mean, even though my background's in um, television and I was in you know news and sports, um, uh, but I I never was uh, really confrontational when it came to uh, certain causes. You know, I just uh, I, I you know I always had that you know opinions are like you know what everyone has one. So right. um, you know I always try to keep my opinions to myself. Um, but you know on this I thought this was too important. This is this is about safety. This is an issue that not only affected me, but effect is, is, has affected and will affect many if it's not addressed. And when right. it comes to safety, you know, um, I'm fighting now for crosswalks on Las Olas, you know, um, cause I feel that, you know, they're needed. We had a death a month ago. Um, you know, somebody pulling out because of speeds, um, that possibly crosswalks and, you know, blinking crosswalks might've slowed some traffic down. Um, you know, so again, um, you know, I like to try to fight where areas I feel like voices that are, are not being heard. And um, so on this issue with the with the waterways, as you know, and you've been, you know, you know, the uphill battle, um, it's it's the testing's not going to bring us a quick result, as you know, but it's right. at least going to bring us a diagnostic that we can start seeing how bad these waterways are um, and what what we need to do to try to get them on a on a course of rehabilitation, you know, I mean, we've got, right. we've got to restore their health because, I mean, if you think about it, what they bring in to our economy, you know, the billions of dollars to our local economy. And, and um, I mean, they're the life force of Fort Lauderdale, both environmentally and economically. So right. to let them, you know, just dwindle and, and ignore and act like they're just going to, you know, it's just there and it's just going to sort of happen and it's going to maybe go away or, you know, you can't do that anymore. You can't, you can't turn a blind eye to it. Don't right. you agree? Well, let me, let me, let me slow you down here a little bit because the audience needs to realize now Susie lives on, you're on Los Olas, correct? Uh-huh. Yeah. She's on Los Olas Boulevard, which is what the rest of the um, country calls the Venice of America. I mean, the intercoastal water system and the canal system is why you move to a place like Los Olas. Susie, what year did you move there? We've been living here about eight years. About eight years. Now, have you been able to um, visually uh, and physically see a change in the water in the eight years that you've been there? Definitely. And then speaking to local residents that have been here much longer than I have, um, oh, the stories I hear um, of the life that was, the marine life that that was in these canals. Um, When I first moved here, um, we put the lights in, you know, the... That, that shine at night. Um, yeah, the dock, the uh, underwater lights. Yes, to attract all the different, you know, fish. And, um, you know, and it was like an aquarium back there. And now right. I see an occasional fish. Um, you know, um, the, 
it's so cloudy. Um, we'll have times where it's, for us, it's clear, but it's not near as clear as what it was eight years ago. Um, right. You know, during the spill, um, when there was no, uh, you know, there were no warnings, no signage of what was going on with our waterways, the black film, I mean, the brown, cruddy film that was, you know, on top, um, you know, it was just so sad to see the smell that we were getting. Um, we've been complaining of a smell over by um, Los Olas and uh, uh, the River, um, the the Seven Isles, right between Seven Isles and Royal Palm. There has been a very strong stench. It's it's getting a little better, but we knew that something's leaking in there. And um, you know, and then you have this, you know, this brown film in that area. So you're wondering what is that? You know, I've paddleboarded through it many times. I took pictures of it. Um, I came home and took a shower and, you know, <laughs> immediately wiped right. my board off, washed everything off. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I have seen a change. Some people even said they saw, you know, they used to see seahorses. And I mean, what the stories I've heard, the Hemershi Canal, they said it was like blue at one area at one time, you know, people used to swim in it, you know, and, you know, now, I mean, it's, it's it looks from what I'm hearing, it looks pretty toxic. And I know they're really trying to get um, people to come start testing the bottom because um, they're just daily what they're seeing. It's 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 really sad. No, it's sad, and um, it's also you know it's it's somewhat seasonal. You know, as we're going into the winter and we get some cold fronts, it becomes a little bit more tolerable. But it, May comes around and the summer comes and the water heats up, and then everybody you know can kind of smell it. They can see it. They can see the algae that we've never seen before. Now, I grew up on Fiesta Way, which is just a few blocks from wherever you are. And in 1979, um, the uh, Venice Isle allowed liverboards to start docking along Venice Isle. And we went to the city then and complained because we knew that they were flushing their toilets right into the canal that we lived on. Um, and at that point, um, very similar to what has happened to us recently. <laughs> How many years ago is that? That's 40 years ago. Um, basically, the city ignored it, said it was okay. And the landlords there along Venice, the Isle of Venice there, they wanted the liverboards there so they could make more money. And they ignored the waste going into the water then. And it's kind of been the same exact attitude um, and now that we've set record sewage spills here in Fort Lauderdale, finally, and only now, have we got any type of change of action from the city. And um, what it's, amazing to, it's amazing to me that, that more people like yourself that live on the aisles have not come forward in the last 40 years to make a big stink about it. What do you think... The rationale behind that is. Oh, it's interesting you should say that because I did, in one of my articles, that's what I wrote. I put, where is the outcry from the marine industry? Where is the outcry from local businesses? Where is the outcry from residents who seem to want to live here because they enjoy their yachts, their their fishing boats, whatever? I mean, this is, as you said, the Venice of America. Um, and if you come down Las Olas, you see all the different, you know, yachts and, you know, uh, sailboats, you name it. And yet, where's their love of the water? I mean, if they love the water, 
then why aren't they respecting it? I mean, this is that some of them, they live on it. This is, you'd think that, you know, um, how could you not find somewhere inside of you to say, Hey, you know, this is what I love. This is what I enjoy. I'm going to take care of it. You know, um, there's laws you're not supposed to dump there. You know, I actually said, you know, um, in, in the end of mine, if there's no dumping, no blowing, no fertilizing, no kidding, it's the law, you know, <laughs> you know, and, right. I, and we need signage out there that reminds people no dumping, no blowing and, you know, no fertilizing, no, you know, this is no kidding. You know, we, it, it is a law and it should be enforced, but unfortunately it's not enforced. And when you asked some of the Marine, you know, enforcement, they say, how do we enforce it? You know, they don't know how to enforce it. When you bring this up in commission meetings, they're like, you know, our hands are tied. How can we see who's doing this? Um, so, and, I, and I know it's got to be difficult, but what, what do you think? Well, I think that the local government is way out of their league when it comes to the water quality. I think that the people of Fort Lauderdale, the people of Broward County, Dade County, the whole state for that matter, and the neighboring coastal communities, I think if you expect the government to come up with real solutions for our water quality, um, nothing will ever happen. I think it's people like you that wake up and push the agendas. Like, for instance, if you and I would, I would, I don't know, I'll make the number simple, a dozen other people did not pressure our local leaders to get the Miami Waterkeepers to start testing every month, they would never have done that. Um, and it's a perfect example that if the people that actually live on the water, the people that actually enjoy the water and appreciate the water, it is their job to be the motivating factor. And then the government will follow. And um, I just want to figure out how I can find and motivate thousands of Susie Baileys out there because a dozen people or 20 people or 40 people in the Fort Lauderdale area that actually care and have some energy and some motivation to do stuff is not going to cut it. We need to put a couple zeros behind that and get 4,000 people. And then, and only then do I think the government will respond. Well, I agree. And I've also, I've spoken to, um, uh, a woman that's involved with um, the uh, Save the Everglades. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've spoken about trying to partnership possibly with the city and trying to start um, an education process in our schools because it's got to start in the schools also. I mean, we've got to start educating the young um, to care and how to care. You know, Correct. if you enjoy it, um, respect it. And how can you respect it? What are some of the things you can do? Um, and so they, you know, we're, that's my next, you know, goal is to try to get into the school systems and, 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 you know, it should be a man, mandatory education because it's, you know, it's part of, especially down here, it's, it's part of your, your life here. Um, and so, um, I have also been a major advocate for signage and it's difficult because, you know, to go around, uh, you know, like you said, all the you know, the bureaucracy and trying to get signage. Um, but, you know, we need uh, signage all around the city reminding people that, you know, not only don't blow into our canals, don't blow into the storm drains. You saw what happened when we had the heavy, severe rains um, mm -hmm. and how many of those drains were blocked. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I know there's this idea of possibly banning, um, you know, uh, the, the the lawn blowers and, you know, and, and I, I don't want to get into that whole thing, but I, you know, I can see where, you know, um, it might have to come to that because when you start telling people don't blow into the canals, they don't listen. I mean, I, again, you, like you said, you have to get residents involved to tell the landscapers, please don't do this. I've asked mine and he not only, um, doesn't blow into canals and doesn't blow into um, the stormwater drains, but he, you know, he rakes whatever he does blow and he, he hauls everything away. Um, and he did that because of your request. Yes. But he does it now to all of his clients. Um, but he, so now that he's yeah. learned, now that he's learned the problem and the issue, he's more than willing to comply to make his, um, make his part. Oh, he's a helpful thing instead of, instead of, you know, yes. Um, the same, not doing it. Yeah. The same. And I think people that, treat, I think that, you know, I'm sorry, even the people that treat, you know, like we have a company that would come and, um, and, and treat here and, um, and they, you know, like they would, you know, fertilize and they would, uh, you know, spray if there was something like our lawn needed sprayed. I had them stop in the summer months and they just sort of looked at me and I said, you know, this is going to be a law. And now that it is, you know, a lot of people don't know it, but there's really supposed to be no um, uh, fertilizing in the um, in the summer months. Right. Um, you know, right. The West Coast of Florida, they've been that's been, you know that's been a rule that they've been abiding by for, for years. I mean, they even took fertilizer off the shelf in some areas. Um, right. We're way behind on this coast on, on, you know, for and a lot of people, Oh, how just that, that's really going to make a difference. Yeah. Every little bit counts. You know, somebody says, well, you know, uh, I'll just throw my bottle in the water. It's not going to, you know, but just think of how many people that said had that same mindset. And now you see how many, you know, plastic bottles are finding on the bottom in certain areas around our oceans, you know, right. um, every little bit counts. And if we could just start educating people and putting signage out, you know, asking residents to remind their landscapers, maybe if you started finding residents instead of the landscapers, then they'd make sure their landscapers knew that, you know, um, I, when I'm, I'm sure you see it. I mean, I've seen city workers blowing into the canals. No, I think the city workers are the, are, are probably, you know, <laughs> uh, account for a major percentage of the, of the, um, stuff that gets in the water, at least from the landscaping part of it. I mean, you watch them go up and down muscles with their big mowers and it goes right into the drain. And then you see it floating by your house when I'm fishing every day, it's nonstop. And I can remember when the, you know, most of the places in the canal system years ago and us as kids would jump in the canal. And the one thing that you had to have is you had to have your shoes on. And the reason you had to have your shoes on is because there were so many barnacles, oysters, all sorts of different mollusks and, and crustaceans that you would actually, you know, cut your feet up because there was so much life in there. And now it's just mud and uh, this weird type of silt. And that is just a direct, um, that's a direct relationship to all the stuff that we throw in the water. I, I, I call our intercoastal water system right now is a liquid dump. I know. And the government is using the canal system as a dump. And until the philosophy changes, um, they can make all the laws and rules, but if the philosophy doesn't change, um, I think it's a really hard battle to, to, to win 
or to even have any type of success. You know what I mean? Oh, I agree. And, um, I, you know, the articles that I've written, um, I've gotten a lot of response from, and I've, believe it or not, I have gotten a lot of thank yous. Um, and it, it, it made me feel so good because that means that maybe out of all those people, we've got some people that will think about, um, to, you know, they'll, they'll talk to their landscaper or maybe they'll think about, you know, um, adding oyster, an oyster bed on their, um, on their dock, like I did, you know, to try to, right. you know, start incorporating oysters. I loved your idea with mangroves. And, um, you know, um, when I started learning about mangroves, I, you know, you're the one who brought that up when I interviewed you for my article. And then, so I did some research on that. I couldn't believe um, what, what a mangrove system does, you know, to the economy and, and how it helps the economy. I, mm-hmm. I started reading about, you know, I, all right, we know that they filter nitrates, phosphates, and other pollutants from the water. Um, but, you know, mangroves in Florida prevented the U.S. 1.5 billion in direct flood damages because, um, you, you know, because they sort of help with uh, wave reduction. Um, it, it's amazing that, um, that a, a large group of mangroves, you know, when you start introducing them, they can um, reduce like 28 million tons of carbon every year. Mm-hmm. In turn, somehow, I, I remember the numbers, it was like about, something like 1.6 billion a year back to the local economies. We're talking mangroves. Right. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I loved your ideas. You know, maybe we have to get to, you know, the state and try to start saying how we can incorporate these mangroves in a in a more, you know, diversified way that maybe in certain areas they can be trimmed because, you know, I think we need to start thinking of how do we in- introduce them back into our environment. Right. Right. Well, I mean, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up, but the, the mangroves, the oyster projects, the clam projects, all this stuff is good. Um, but the baseline which we're going to find out through this water testing that we're going to have, the water baseline has to change for any of that stuff to really work. Um, like one of the things that that I have, I have an issue with some of these um, projects because introducing oysters back into an ecosystem that has the water that's so poor that it can't support oyster life, we're actually putting the cart before the horse. horse you know, clean the water and then the oysters will grow and then we can help promote the growth and that kind of thing. But we need to start by first figuring out how are we going to get the water quality where the life will thrive again. And until that, a lot of these projects, in my opinion anyway, um, probably shouldn't be the priority right now. But introducing mangroves and mangroves are one of the few things that will live in the worst water quality. So that's one of my favorite ideas because we don't need to clean the water first to introduce the mangroves back to the system. But what a lot of people don't realize is that we've eliminated between Palm Beach and Dade County, 99%, over 99% of the mangroves are now destroyed and gone and are replaced with cement and seawalls. And development like that going forward has to be addressed and it has to change. And in the Tri-County area especially, um, I think we can introduce mangroves back to the system and um, immediately 
see a result, at least with wildlife. If you notice when you're out there paddle boarding or whatever, you'll go a very long distance and it's nothing but seawall. And then anywhere you do find a little bit of mangroves, you'll see a bird. You'll see some fish maybe. Um, it's They're definitely, you know, we're looking for some habitat to live in. And we've destroyed the habitat. And I think, you know, one step at a time, we can um, introduce programs like a mangrove program or an oyster restoration project, you know, that will, that will help. But until the philosophy changes, um, it's an awful tall order. What's your opinion or, or any ideas on trying to change the philosophy and trying to ignite a spark with your neighbors there around Los Olas, Rio Vista, Harbor Beach. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep it to Broward County. Do you have any ideas on how to, how to get that spark, how to get that energy going? Well, so what I found when I was writing the article was one of the main words that kept on coming into my mind was accountability. Right. And, um, and that's the sad part is the accountability is, you know, look what had to happen, you know, 220 million gallons of toxic waste to, you know, flow into our canals before we started updating and, you know, an antiquated infrastructure, you know, that's just starting to be repaired and, you know, has needed to be repaired desperately. Um, what else is being dumped in? You know, when we have these heavy rains, do we have filters on our storm, you know, all of our storm drains? Um, uh, there's different types of filter fil filters you can put out. You know, they have baffles. They have, I know the West Coast of Florida uses a filtration system on all um, certain areas that on all their drains. Um, you know, there's, you know, I know you made me aware and I've, I've heard other stories about, you know, what's being dumped at night that we don't even know about, you know, mm -hmm. and how many, you know, who's, who's making people accountable? You know, who's the watchdog? You know, um, I don't know if we have a watchdog. We, you know, no, we're, yeah. I think we're the, it's people like you and I that are yeah. the first or the first ones. And as a matter of fact, um, starting to, and, and I'm sure it's happening to you also because they know that you're involved as you start to get people to send you pictures and to start, you know, uh, Hey, something happened in my canal last night or look what I saw or whatever. And we've actually calling them watchdogs and encouraging the watchdogs to give us the reports and what they actually see out there. I, and I think that, I think that's one of the biggest problems is a lot of people are sitting in the air conditioning. They don't paddleboard. They don't surf. They don't fish. So to get any type of real energy out of them um, is extremely difficult and it's not the easiest thing to do. Well, you know that old saying, NIMBY, you know, not in my backyard? Right. Um, what I found was when you start having this foul smell in your backyard, you know, um, when you start having severe flooding, you know, people start caring when it's in their backyard. Um, when you started having that blue-green algae, um, when people started reading that blue-green blue algae can be toxic, um, when you start knowing that this is maybe not only not good for my health, but it's also possibly not good for the value of my home, um, they start caring. Right. And so that's where I've tried to reach a lot of people is, did you know this? You know, did mm -hmm. you know that? You know, at dinner parties, at, you know, 
at lunch with women, um, my articles, anytime I can, I bring it up. I try because, mm-hmm. you know, if I can reach one person, I feel like that's one more person that they might go tell someone else. Um, right. But that's where, you know, people don't realize, you know, that it's it's not just, you know, people think, well, Jeff loves this because that's Jeff's, you know, that's his business. This He loves fishing. They don't realize if you live here and you live in pretty much Florida period, but um, you know, these are our life force. And mm-hmm. and even though that you might even live inland more in Davie or something, a lot of people depend on jobs over here. Um, mm-hmm. that depend on our waterways. So, you know, you just don't want to, I don't know if you saw, you know, um, you don't want to wait till the well one runs dry, you know? Um, and you know, and that's what, you know, you be careful because, you know, it might get to a point where it's going to really be too difficult to turn around. And, yeah. and we need a lot more uh, articles written, you know, we need, it would be nice if the paper, you know, always did one page just on our waterways, you know, right. the highlighting of what's right. going on. Um, I don't know if you know, Jeff, but the reality of our testing and the 10 sites that they'll be testing, um, the city, even if there's bad testing, if you don't find, you're going to be able to find what those test results are on the, you know, the swim guide app, but mm-hmm. um, they're not going to put, from what I've heard, there's not, they're not going to put signage up. So we could yeah. have highly toxic areas, but they don't consider those reads um, uh, from swim guide and from the Miami water keepers. Um, it's not up to what they feel, the, the numbers that they go by. And, um, so they've got, you know, that, that's what I'm hearing now, again, you know, that's when I think our fight's going to really be start again, because then we're going to want those numbers out there. And how do we get those numbers out there that people don't know about the swim guide app? Right. That's probably what I'm most excited about. Um, the testing, because I kind of know what the tests are going to come back at and, but at least having those monthly tests will keep the topic of conversation going. And like you said, maybe somebody will be held accountable eventually. But you keep mentioning articles. Tell the audience about your articles and who you write for and how long you've been doing it. Well, I've I've been in, uh, you know, I went to University of Missouri. I, I'm, you know, I've been in journalism and I've been in broadcasting. You know, that's what was my job. Um, actress, TV commercial, the whole background. You know, <laughs> I had a sports show in New York. Um, but here, um, I. Uh, Los Olas magazine um, and some of the various magazines that go out throughout all the different neighborhoods, you know, like in Rio Vista and Coral Ridge and uh, on the beach. Um, I, I try to write an article, you know, a few, three or four times a year on our waterways, just trying to keep an update um, on, you know, first I try to make everyone aware of it. And, um, you know, about the people that didn't know that we had 220 million gallons and what was going on with that, you know, of toxic waste. And then it was, the next article was, okay, after we've had this, now what, what are we doing to clean it up? You know, and what, you know, what can we do to get this better? Um, you know, I'm going to do another article again with uh, Dr. Silverstein, you know, Rachel on, um, mm-hmm. you know, welcome to Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, what can we expect from, you know, the Waterkeeper program here? And what does she hope to achieve? Um, right. You know, and then, you know, from there, I think I'm, I'm hoping, like, I think like you are, that this will be the diagnostic that's going to, you know, if the city wants to see it and hear it and do something, it gives them a, a base of, okay, 
let's go into this area because look at the numbers in that area. Or if you don't, if you don't like the testing or agree with like the, you know, like surf riders or water keepers, you know, then bring in, you know, the county testing or the state testing, whoever you have to bring in, but let's to, to, to confirm those tests, which when they do, they see that it's exact same reading usually. Um, but, um, then bring those in, you know, let's not ignore these tests. Let's, let's go into these areas and let's see what's causing those numbers to be high. So I think it can really be so advantageous for the city to see, okay, this is how we might start a cleanup program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's what my, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, I don't know. I, I really believe that, um, our mayor cares, um, and, and our commission cares. I really think that when they started learning more, they realized, you know, wow, we can do more. And um, I'm, I'm going to hopefully believe that they're going to take these numbers and they're going to say, okay, now what are we going to do about it? You know, what areas, you know, is there a leak here? You know, is there mm-hmm. people dumping in this area? You know, mm-hmm. are we having a, you know, um, is there a leak with, um, you know, do we need more filters on storm drains? But at least, you know, if those numbers are high, let, let's take a look and see why they're high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The um, I broke it down into, into three parts. I figure we have the people like me and you that live on the water that care about the water. Then we have the media, and then we have the government. And until all three are on the same page and understand the new philosophy about rehabilitating our waterways. Um, it's going to be very hard. I expected the government not to be very impressive because it's very consistent to watch the government on all levels, and it's fairly unimpressive most of the time. The media, in my opinion, has failed us miserably. And we have isn't that red that red tide thing that happened a couple oh. years ago on the oh, West yeah. Coast. Hundreds of thousands of tons of dead fish, and it barely made national news. And it wasn't a huge news topic here on the east coast of Florida. The only place it was a news topic was exactly where it was happening. And most people, believe it or not, after that crazy fish kill, most people had no clue it even happened. And that's a direct reflection on how bad the media is failing us and to hear you talk about writing articles um, is not normal even the news coverage when we had when we were we set all those records for the sewage spills and i did interviews with all of them we were lucky to get 35 45 seconds you know i know in the 30 or 45 seconds that we got was this little drama piece and then it was over and no accountability, no nothing, just a quick little drama piece from the media. And it goes all the way down to even the fishing magazines. And I'll give you another example. The fishing magazines constantly call me and we do articles and the mullet run, which is a natural phenomenon of, of bait that comes down the coast, has basically been decimated. And this year alone, I had three magazines call me to do articles. And they wanted the articles all read how impressive it was and what a natural phenomenon it was and how great it is. Not one of them wrote the article 
to say that it's almost non-existent anymore. And that has to change. The media has to change. The media is failing us in all forms, for the most part anyway. Do you think that the media will change? I think it's going to be people like you and and Tim Myers and um, myself, um, definitely Dr. Sil- Rachel. I mean, she is she's been amazing at you know what she's brought how, how she's brought the attention to what's going on down in Miami. Remember with the fish kill that they had a few months ago, and you know she's constantly uh, you know posting on Instagram and with her thousand eye program, which is wonderful, you know, just trying to get people involved and send pictures. Um, I think we're going to have to spoon feed the media. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that uh, we're going to have to do a lot of our own social media ourselves. You've been amazing. Uh, uh, You've educated me. Um, I love watching and and reading um, your post and seeing, you know, um, your vision, which you see that most of us don't see from, you know, you're, you live on the water basically, you know? Um, and so, you know, and it's so nice to hear and be educated from someone like you. Um, I, again, I think that we're going to have to write our own articles, like you're doing this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're going to have to, you know, every time we can, um, make people aware, you know, whenever you have a chance, you know, bring it up you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, uh, and ask for more articles. We have to constantly request more articles from the local newspapers and more specials and features from the local television stations. Um, you know, and that, and that, and that's not easy, but it's, you know, that's what we're going to have to do. And anytime we have something that we feel that is a need that they need to, uh, highlight, we have to make sure that they know about it because, a lot, you know, especially right now with, you know, COVID and the pandemic, um, some of the issues that we finally started getting moving forward got put on the back burner, you know, after the 200. Oh, big time. Oh, big you know, time. oh yeah. You had that, you know, how many mil, 200 million gallons of toxic waste and you had um, penalties, you know, and, you know, fines from the, the state to the city and all this going on where you could really move forward. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, um, this awful pandemic. So, right. you know, we, you know, we lost a lot of footing there because, you know, that was hopefully going to get us moving forward on getting, you know, some, you know, at least right. if we could get, you know, what what's going to be done and when is it going to start? I do know East Science and Woods, you know, they have started some cleanup. I, when I was asked, when I tried to interview them for one of my articles, they really didn't, I had to go back to the city to, to speak with the city. Um so, you know, some of it's supposed to start in December, which is what now we're um, a year later. <laughs> um, right. You know, I don't know what cleanup they're doing. I know that there's a voice, Jerry Jordan. I don't know if you know him on in Hemersheet Canal. He's constantly uh, trying to educate people there. And he's, he's asked Nova to come out and start testing the bottom of the Hemersheet because, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really bad there. Um, you know, again, you know, it's, it's going to be the local residents' voices that are, you know, are out there and constantly out there. And, and I, I, I always tell Jerry, thank you. I tell you, thank you. Because, you know, if it wasn't for you all, I don't know what would, you know, I don't know, I don't know what, what we'd expect for the future of our waterways. Yeah, no. And, and, and that's been, that's what I've been preaching. You know, so many people, especially on social media, they want to lash out at the local leaders. They want to lash out at the state. It, shoot, they'll go as far as lashing out at the president. 
but what they really need to do is look in the mirror yes and realize that it starts with them and i think one by one we're starting to get those people but we really need to get them by the hundreds and by the hundreds and then hopefully um we can pick up on the momentum that we lost before the pandemic because we did have momentum. We had the governor's ear. We had the chief of staff of the governor's ear. We had the head of the DEP. One of the things that um, the state's been touting is the $2 million fine that they gave Fort Lauderdale. And then the counter was Fort Lauderdale was going to spend $3 million on restoring and rehabbing the waterways instead of giving the fine to the state or the DEP for $2 million. Do you know if that survey from eSciences, which I think was about what, 400,000 bucks, and the Aquatic Solutions boat was another $450,000, are they using that as part of the $3 million restoration project that they told the state that they were going to do? I'm not getting a straight answer on that. Um, I did ask. Either am I, son of a bitch. Either am I. <laughs> I've asked a half a dozen times and I get the runaround. Yes. And that's bothering the piss out of me. Because I really think at this point, there's still the debate, which you well know, do they drudge? Because if they do and dredge and then they, you know, steer up the bottom, then you're going to have, you know, those people that are uh, opposed to that because of, then it brings up all the waste again. Um, but I know there's areas of the new river that if they don't, there's areas I think that some vessels can't get through because of the buildup of the, of what's, you know, between the spills and everything else that's built up there. Um, it's almost calcified, um, in some areas. So, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. People don't want to talk about. It is. You just get to that point where, you know, um, I, I'm looking forward to these numbers. I keep on going back to the Miami water keepers um, just because I think the tests are going to tell us um, it, you know, now that we have some transparency, I mean, you're going to know what's going on. So yes. okay, if they're, they're, they're high in that river and they've supposedly cleaned up that river, then why is it still high? Right. So, then right. what are we going to do about it? And who are we going right. to hire, you know, to, 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 to take care of this? I mean, are the people that have been hired, are they, have they been effective? Um, I tried to get these answers for my article. It was very difficult. I got, well, well, this is going to be done at this time. And this is going to be done at this time. Nothing at the time of my article had really been done. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and I'm in the same boat with you. I mean, I went out of my way to get the mayor on the podcast. I went out of my way to make a relationship with my commissioner, which would be Steve Glassman. And the reason I went out of my way is because I wanted to get some straight answers um, this year. And because of the pandemic and because of the um, infrastructure problems, I've kind of left them alone, you know, for since the big sewage spills. I know they got a lot on their plate. But, and this is a big but, when I go to them and I ask them what the plan is, to this point, they are still very unclear. And to me, after what the city's been through, it's totally unacceptable. Um, I'm going to invite them back. I'm going to invite them back to find out if we can get some, 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 some answers, what the plan is, where the money's going. And 
it's going to be up to us to get that information because it's not going to come out without us. Well, I watched Rachel, um, you know, down in, you know, with that last fish kill. And did you mm-hmm. see her leadership that she took on, um, you know, with the media? Um, yeah, I went down. I went down. Uh, Stephen Busak and I went down to participate in the um, demonstration that they were having. Yes. And, um, I'm hoping she brings that mentality here to, you know, to start, you know, the Thousand Eye program here in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I'm hoping that there's, you know, I, you said you're going to have her on your podcast. I'm hoping that, you know, I'm going to do a feature on her. I'm hoping that I'm going to ask if there's some kind of feature that's done in, you know, the Sun Sentinel. I'm hoping that the local television stations do, you know, do something to remind people that she's here. Um, and then I, I'm hoping that she's going to go forth and be a voice, a strong voice for all of us that we can unite behind on, you know, cause she's kind, she doesn't attack, she doesn't blame. She just tries to get things done, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what needs to be done. You know I mean? Having somebody like Rachel that has the education and um, has dedicated her life towards it. I mean, is essential. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Miami water keepers. Um, you know, a lot of the areas that I fish are right down there. But, you know, like people like Rachel, um, they're not surprised by what's going on. You know, they've been crying and complaining about this for years. On deaf ears. And only now is a few people starting to listen. So I just think that um, from this point on, the science is there. The, there's solutions that are out there that have not even been attempted that need to be attempted. And with people like yourself, Rachel, myself, Tim from the paddleboard crew, um, Mike Lambrex, I mean, a lot, a lot of people, um, but we need a lot more people. I just want to thank you um, for your concerns. I want to thank you for your effort. And I know it's not easy socially um, being the messenger. And I'm sure you're getting some feedback from that that isn't exactly the funnest thing to deal with. But it's part of the process, and uh, I'm sure it's not your first time. No, and it's funny. They see me coming. It's like, oh, here she comes. They call me the water czar. Um, but, um, That's awesome. That's great. That's, I'm going to congratulate you on, on that. I get, I get so many emails of people asking me questions now, and it's like, you know, it, it's I, and I, I'm thankful because it means that they're caring. And uh you know what I'm hoping also, um, Jeff, and maybe you can help with this. I've asked the city to do a, um, a campaign, um, mm-hmm. uh, love our waterways, maybe with t-shirts and signage and billboards. And, you know, we have to, you know, go forward in a big, bold way to this. It just can't be, you know, a, a little yard sign that nobody sees. Um, this has got to be bold. And, um, and that's what my next, you know, uh, once we get, you know, the, my, the, the waterkeeper program here, I'm hoping that we can do some type of, um, you know, major campaign. And uh, I hope you can help me with this because that's what I think we really need to do. Um, you know, you come in and you're driving down Broward Boulevard. You need a, you need a, 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 you know, a large big billboard or something that says, you know, Fort Lauderdale cares, you know, we love our waterways, you know, don't put this, this, and this, you know, you know, um, we don't swim in your toilets. Please don't, you know, dump in our, you know, you know, right. just, we need some fun, you know, humor, um, but we need education out there and it's got to be put in people's faces. 
yeah, we got to deliver. We got to deliver the message. Now, I haven't I haven't um, announced it yet because of COVID and 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 getting people together and uniting people right at the moment. But we are going to organize another call to action. Hopefully, it'll be bigger and better than the protest that we did last year. I'm not sure how that's going to to work, but these types of demonstrations um, are exactly what we need to get the attention of not just the government here, but the people here and kind of like building a snowball. Um, We have to build the snowball. And I think people like you and I um, can accomplish that goal. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to happen fast, but with some consistency and some real effort and people um, need to be able to handle the truth and if the truth is told enough times, people will be able to handle it. I think one of the problems right now is people don't want to know the truth. they rather be like an ostrich and stick your head in the sand. and Maybe one day it'll go away. Because it's wow. hard to tell people the truth, that their kids shouldn't be swimming in that water. Or you shouldn't eat a fish out of that water. Or that people are getting infected. You know, my brother has, is a, a friend with a commercial diary got scraped by some barnacles while he was cleaning the bottom of a boat who just passed away oh my gosh yeah he just passed away and you're talking about a, a 50 year old well maybe he was like 46 year old dude you know he got due infected to due to an infection similar to mercer or what john tedder got when he almost lost his leg and and i interviewed um I interviewed this guy, Dr. Brill, from the American Water Security Project, and I asked him what he thought was going to be the factor that would motivate people. And he told me it was going to have to get down to health concerns. Yes, you're right. And, it, and at this point, I think there's major health concerns. I don't think people are putting two and two together. And I think when they do, They'll realize how many people like yourself, like the gentleman that got infected um, doing his job, like John Tedder who got infected catching bait one day, people are going to put two and two together and they're going to realize that people are getting sick and infected because of how poor the water quality is here in South Florida, which who would have ever thought in a million years that Fort Lauderdale Beach, the Venice of America, the state that when you think of sunshine and water would be the one that you're going to get infected if you go into the waterway. I know. But it's the truth. And people are just starting to get that. You know, when you were talking, when you were saying that, um, one of the ways I also try to bring spread the word is um, I'm the uh, HOA president in the Nermi Isles. So, mm-hmm. um, and I've offered to speak and you might want to do this too at other HOA meetings. Um, that's a really good way to go, you know, when they have their, their meetings to speak at meetings, um, mm-hmm. to talk about the waterways, to talk about what's going on, answer some questions. And when I was speaking at one HOA, um, I've had different doctors say that the numbers, they found high infection rate, especially during the spillage. I had another doctor tell me um, uh, that, you know, they were finding different um not only infections, but hepatitis, 
mm-hmm. and other, you know, it, you know, so then I was thinking, I wonder if there's a way we could get the numbers from the different hospitals. If they've, you know, if they saw a rise, you know, in uh, so many cases right after the spill, you know, or if they're seeing certain infections coming, you know, with more MRSA and stuff coming from that. Cause as you said, that's, I think, that might be the key that makes people aware. Cause when people started reading, people were getting sick. Um, I know that's how I think I got hurt when I got sick, when I got MRSA. Well, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Um, now, have, have you heard the details about the coastal community network that we started? No, I haven't. Okay. And I've kind of, I, I did a, I did a small launch um, on October 24th where we launched what we call the CCN, the coastal community network. And me not being a doctor or a politician or some famous environmentalist, I was like, what can I do? So I decided to start a new news and media company called the Coastal Community Network, the CCN. And I'm hoping with the CCN that we can be the media company that focuses and can distribute the real information, the truth, the non-biased information, because the government... One thing that I learned in the last year about the way our local government works and the way our local media works is they work hand in hand and they're choreographed on the messages that go out. So my idea was to start a new news and media company that is non-biased, that's not afraid of telling the truth, and is not afraid of the negative feedback when you do tell the truth. Because the truth is being hidden for a number of reasons, and none of them are good. That's great. I love it. And, you know, you yeah. start in with um, the different groups all along the coastal regions all throughout the United States here. I mean, you know, you'll get, uh, we could get a lot, you know, share a lot of information, um, which well, that- uh, would be, you know, nice. I I know there's that, the Water Atlas program that the West Coast of Florida has, Um you know, you, you know, we tie in with, you know, people like that. And that'd be, that's awesome because you're right. They, they don't, a lot of the news, you're right. People are afraid to hear. And I know when I brought, you know, when you bring up, you know, the, the restoration of our waterways, you know, the, the eyes that you get from some government leaders of, oh, that is just, it, they almost think it's too overwhelming to even think of. So let's just not even deal with it, you know? Um, right. but that's like somebody telling you're really sick, you know, and, or you've got to lose weight or you got, you know, everything right. starts somewhere, you know, it's not all going to come off at once, you know, it's not all, you know, um, you got to start somewhere and you'll, you know, take baby steps sometimes just to see, and we have to be patient, but as long as those steps are being made, but when you just say, well, you know, you just wash your hands of it cause it's too grand. Um, that's sad. It's bad. And people are afraid to talk about it. I don't know about you, but this has been my experience. Um, since the whole catastrophe that we've had here with these giant spills, I've had people come out of the most affluent neighborhoods, some of the biggest names in town, and they want to tell me stuff. But the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, hey, Jeff, I'm going to tell you this, but you didn't hear it from me. Like 50% of the people that tell me anything, that's how they start the conversation. They want to let me know something, but they are afraid to let people know that they feel that way they think that way or they told somebody something like that and i don't get it some people are worried that it's going to affect the economy 
Well, um, yeah, it's a good thing to worry about because it is. <laughs> you know, well, what I, what I come back and say, what's going to happen if you don't? You know, I mean, you know, they're like, well, you can't talk about it because then, you know, it might hurt my, you know, the value of this or, you know, it might hurt tourism, right? You know, what's going to happen if you let it get really bad? Then be careful what you wish for because, you know, you hide this too long, then you got a major problem. It's already been too long, Susie. You look at the third world countries that have taken over the market to catch sport fish is amazing. People will travel to Guatemala, to Belize, to Costa Rica, Panama. They still go to Venezuela, even in that communist country. Why? Because they have fish there that they can catch. They used to come here to South Florida. They used to go to the Keys. They used to go to Everglades National Park. They used to go to Boca Grande. And now when they are making their travel arrangements to go catch big fish, they're going to other countries. When they make their travel arrangements to surf, when they make their travel arrangements to um, kayak, anything that has to do with the water, these small third world countries have taken over the market. Now we share our market with all of them. Wow. I didn't know it's that. It's already happened. And that's what I mean. We, <laughs> You know, it's happening, but people don't realize it. They don't think about it. And the ones, a lot of the ones that do want to say, you didn't hear it from me, but. Jeff, how have you, how's it affected you? I mean, are you, it, the fish, I mean, is there the numbers way down? Um, I didn't realize it, oh, that, 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 that side of it. No, the fish, the fishing is 10% of what it was just eight or nine years ago Ooh. here in Broward County. I built my business, I built my reputation fishing Fort Lauderdale and specifically the New River. And I could laugh about it and I could brag about it. And I could say, well, why the hell would you go out to the Everglades National Park and get eaten by mosquitoes when I can take you right here, catch bigger and better fish, and then I'll drop you off at Shooter so you can have a nice dinner or Blue Moon Cafe or something, you know? And I used to laugh about it because our fishery was so phenomenal that I was able to be recognized as one of the best fishermen in the country fishing right here in Fort Lauderdale. Now, 70% of the time that I fish, I leave our waterways because there's not enough fish for me to justify charging people. So now I go to North Biscayne Bay. I go to Crandon Park. Um, I'll still fish Fort Lauderdale sometimes. But 70% of the time, I'm not here anymore. Is there anyone fighting? I'm sorry, do you have a lobbyist or anyone fighting for, I mean, that, that's amazing. I didn't realize, you know, it's, it's, it's decreased that much and really not, you know, eight years. You're, that's a lot. Susie, you can go on YouTube right now and watch me do TV shows right here in Fort Lauderdale where the fishing was phenomenal. And now if that guy, if those same people called me today to do a TV show, I'd take them to Biscayne Bay. Because I know we couldn't get it done here in Fort Lauderdale anymore. And that's the fact of the matter. The problem with that is that's very hard for other people to understand. And um, they're starting to. We're getting there. We're building the snowball. I'm going to ask you a a question because I love porpoises. And I used to always love seeing porpoises, which I don't see at all anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that part of this whole 
what you're talking about? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, think about it like this, Susie. So what was it? Two weeks ago, they dumped another, what was it? 1,500,000 gallons of what they call treated sewage into the oh. Port Everglades. Yes. Did so you they hear? dumped, yeah. So they dumped that in there and okay. The big fish don't, don't come up dead. But all the small fish, all the larvae, the bottom of the eco chain is devastated. Therefore, a porpoise, even if he wanted to spend time here in Port Everglades or our canal system, is forced to leave because there isn't enough food for a thousand pound mammal to eat. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, it seems really simple, right? But it's hard for people to get that. The Port Everglades Inlet. You know, if you go back just 10 years ago, there was bait that would that would hang out there. Um, people would come to Port Everglades to catch bait. And if you go back even further than that, when Burton Jacks was around and that kind of thing, it was slapped full of bait. And there was thousands of tarpon and thousands of snooks in our inlet. And now we're down to hundreds, not thousands, hundreds of fish left. And they're getting ready to dredge it again. And that's not going to help things. No. But that's what I mean. It's the philosophy of it all. And people don't understand how good it was. So they don't understand how bad it's been devastated. You know what I mean? So what can we do to bring the numbers back? I mean, do they have to start opening the flow more? You know, where, you know, well, under the very, the very first thing, which is starting to happen now is we've got to quit dumping the sewage in there. Yeah, you know, you know, all the construction that we're doing, I mean, that's a start. Now, that's just one piece of it. Then, once we get the sewage where it's not just flowing into the canals, and we work at the drain system. Once we do the drain system, then the Army Corps of Engineers need to get rid of this friggin' water management system that they have that totally kills wildlife, and that's going on all over the state. Stewart, Jupiter. Um, Fort Myers, the west coast of Florida. I mean, think about it, Susie. The way they do it right now is if it rains a whole lot, they open up the water management, sea canal this, sea canal that, and the water will be 70% salinity the very next day. It's down to 20% salinity. Nothing is going to live in that kind of baseline. Ah, you know what I mean? More the quality than, so it is It's it is the quality more than, I, I was thinking maybe, you know, progress as far as building and stuff was causing some of this, but it, it is, so you'd blame it most, mostly on the waterway quality. On the, on the way we do, it's called, they call it the water management system. Yeah. The way we dammed up the back of the new river. Yes. So now the water that comes from the Everglades that flows into our water here is very inconsistent. It's polluted. It's full of nutrients. And one day it's fresh, one day it's salt, one day it's fresh, one day it's salt, you know, and nothing can live under those conditions. Wow. You know, and that's what I mean. It, there's there's a lot of issues, but I think here in Fort Lauderdale, you know, you, you take it one at a time. We start with the sewage. Why I, I think the sewage is such a big um, factor, it's unarguable. It's not a big debate whether or not you should put sewage in the water or not. Two, it was paid for by us. Three, it's being paid for again by us. So the money, people say, oh, it costs so much money. Yeah, well, we gave them the money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some of these other things, you know, um, don't have those arguments. The sewage in particular, they stole the money and did other things with it. Plain and simple. 
we all know the problem, it was paid for, and there's still a problem. In my opinion, that's the number one priority. And I get upset when I see people starting to put the cart before the horse. We have to build the foundation. The number one foundation is quit polluting the water on a daily basis with this sewage spill. Then we can work on the drain systems, and then we can work on rehabilitation. You know what I mean? And it has to be in that order or it's never going to work. Yeah. Well, and I think even when you're, you know, you're, you're updating our sewage system, you know, you still can educate for other areas like, you know, the, the landscaping debris and the, you know, um, along with that. Um, yeah. I also think we need people like Rachel. Um, we're going to need a lot of people like Rachel. Like who's to say that the sewage treatment plan is actually even working? <laughs> Do you know if it's working or not? You well, know what I mean? And how about the supposedly treated water that went in, like you were talking about, of the million, uh, the, what was it, a, a million gallons? You know, a million, a million and a half. They released just this last little um, rain that we had, that tropical storm system that came in, where we get about nine inches of rain, which put too much pressure on the system. So they just let out a million and a half gallons right into the intercoastal. Now that's called treated sewage, right? That's the same stuff that we're pumping out of Hollywood Beach and Pompano Beach still. Yeah, did you see the numbers? Of what? Bacteria. I didn't see the numbers just recently, but Yeah. That that mm-hmm. that was even though it was treated, the numbers were high and someone right. asked at a meeting, can you swim or drink or you know, there was a no way, you know. So right. even well, treated is clean. <laughs> Right. Well, that same treated sewage that they're pumping in the in the ocean in front of Hollywood Beach today, right now as we talk, is the same treated sewage that killed 97% of the reef that we've had between Key West and Jacksonville. 97% of the reef is gone. Ah. I didn't make up those numbers. I just listened to the podcast um, with that uh, scientist that John Lose is working with, Dr. Gregory. 97% of the coral reef is gone. Oh, my gosh. And that's a major factor on what killed it was the amount of what they call nutrients that treated sewage that they dump into the ocean by the millions of gallons an hour. That same stuff they just dumped into the Port Everglades. Why? Because they can't handle the amount of um, sewage that we have. And the other thing that drives me crazy especially with the social media is a lot of people want to point at developers and development the developers and the development that have went on these guys are paying huge prices and bending over backwards for all these different rules and it's not their fault it's the government's fault and they took their money their impact fees and squandered it on whatever they decided to squander it on. In the meantime, the ecosystem is the one that's been getting crushed, even though they collected the money, supposedly, for the ecosystem. So people point their fingers at developers and say, oh, these developers are evil and bad. The developers are doing exactly what they're supposed to do and paying huge amounts of number in the name of environmental progress. It's the government that takes that money and squanders it. And 
we're never going to stop the development. I just think that we got to quit developing like it's the 80s or 70s. I mean, how many, we can't take the whole state of Florida, dig it out and make it concrete. You know what I mean? Exactly. You know, I, I'm not, I, I, I believe, you know, you have to move forward, you know, you can't, I believe in progress and, and beautification, but I think you need to work with the environment rather than against it. You know, mm-hmm. I love um, that group with Hank Oving called Rebuild and Design. Um, they're based out of New York, but um, if you, if you ever have a chance, take a look at what they're doing um, up in New York. Um, you know, they bring all the factors together and, you know, environmentally, uh, the businesses, the residents, and try to find a way to work with the environment and with, you know, they're really dealing with sea level rise and flooding um, and, and how to, uh, you know, there's, it's amazing. If you visit that site, some of their innovative ideas and how they're dealing with, you know, water management, flooding management, you know, and how Mm -hmm. um, I've been on podcast, um, I mean, excuse me, uh, Zoom, Zoom meetings with, um, specialists from around the world. Uh, there were engineers from Brazil and from uh, uh, Copenhagen and you, you name it all over. I'm um, talking about issues of flooding issues, you know, all throughout the world, not just here and how certain areas of the, um, of the world are dealing with it. And, you know, and I've tried to bring them in to speak and, you know, here, uh, rebuild and design because we're, we've got some projects going on and it would be really nice to learn if we're going to you know, if you, as we move forward and you do progress, how to bring in environmental, uh, you know, um, future mm-hmm. ideas to deal with issues, you know, that might, we might be facing five, 10, 15 years from now, rather than get there and say, oh, why didn't I, you know? Um, right. And they all help each other. I mean, right. one thing helps the other. And, um, you know, because it all, all these factors work together with flooding and our water quality and, uh, infrastructure and and building, you know, if you if you think about it and you can work together, um, you got a chance. But you know, just to put up seawalls, you know, I asked at one of the questions uh, at one of the meetings I was on with the Army Corps of Engineers, you know, when they were you know talking about that that multi billion dollar project down in Miami with you know extensive seawalls, and I said, what do you do at the end of the seawall? And you know, it was sort of quiet, and they, you know, what do you do with the water there? And it's like. Well, you make sure there's a pumping station. I said, well, where are you pumping the water back into where it's coming from? And it's like, finally, <laughs> the answer, you know, no, we're, we have to move that water as far away from where it's coming from as possible. You know, right. well, you don't hear that very often. You know, you hear right. seawalls and then you see, well, what happens at the end of that seawall or what's under the seawall, you know? And um, so, you know, you, I, I'm hoping to bring this group in. I think we're going to have to educate and maybe it's going to be local residents, you know, having local like HOA meetings or neighborhood meetings or um, and bring in these specialists that are going to come in and speak. I think it'd be great to get Rachel to come speak at HOA meetings. Absolutely. Um, and you know? it, it, absolutely. Uh, Susie, we, we talk the same language. It's about educating. It's about uniting. It's about priority and accountability. And um, I just want to thank you. I mean, you've done it. You, 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 you've put forth the energy. Um, you're not afraid to put forth more energy. And um, you're a good example, a great example of what Floridians need to morph into because it's going to take us all. And 300,000 people a year moving into the state, we have 300,000 new people every single year that need to be educated on how our ecosystem works down here. It burns my ass that we are not the leaders 
of the world, being South Florida, we should be the leaders of the world in taking care of our environment. Instead, we are the number one example of what not to do with your natural environment. Mm-hmm. And um, people will argue that, but that's the truth. And it bothers me. Well, thank you because you've been amazing. And, and thank God that you take the time out of your day to educate all of us, to let us see what your eyes see, because you know you see so much more being out there every day. Um, I, I, you, I just learned today, I didn't realize, and it just, it's very sad thinking that, you know, one of the things that would really help flooding is our reef system. And when you're telling me that 90%, I mean, that was, that's devastating. 97% Uh, gone. Oh gosh. I I just, uh, you know, (laughs) I know. And, um, you know, so it's, you know, we've, we've really got to be out there and we've really got to start a campaign. And, um, and like I said, again, I thank you because your voice is out there. Um, you're well-respected and, um, please keep up the good work. Thanks. Thanks. Susie, great interview. Thanks so much for being on the, uh, Real Guy podcast. Um, the Coastal Community Network, um, I want to talk to you about that some more, um, cause I want some some people that actually know how to write and that are actually paying attention to uh, contribute to the site. And you're already doing the work. I just need to put it up there. Sure. I'd love to help you. You know that anything I can do, um, you know, I think our fight's just beginning. So (laughs) it it, it is. And let's get our, let's get our arsenal and get our weapons ready to continue (laughs) the fight. You know, I, I mentioned that on on a podcast that I just did recently, you know, people say, Oh, I want to join the fight. And they use the word fight so loosely because when you get into a fight, you got to be willing to take it right on the nose. You got to be willing to take the risk to be able to, to win the fight or lose the fight. And it's not going to be pretty. And exactly. when people tell me they want to join the fight, it's a real fight and they better be ready for the consequences. I've had a few sleepless nights thinking, "Uh oh, did I say too much? <laughs> You know, but that um, means you're doing, the, I think that means you're doing the right thing. <laughs> so, but I to say, you know, you're not going to always make everybody happy, but you just got to keep on trying, you know, and it, you know, you, you know, you just, you, you, all these little fights, you just want to win the battle, you know? Yeah. I had somebody tell me one time, um, <laughs> when I was brokering boats and I brokered boats for a long time and the, the guy that taught me. Um, a lot of what I know about boats and stuff told me, he said, Jeff, if you're not pissing somebody off every week, you're probably not working hard enough. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And all these so, little battles, you know, will hopefully we'll win the war then at, at the end. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. thanks again. Susie, thanks so much. I'm going to, um, I'm going to forward over to you the, um, the link for the coastal community network. Okay. And, um, tell me what you think. Um, I'm going to be doing a relaunching of the whole network um, after the first of the year. But I think I got all my ducks in order and um, I can't wait to get your opinion on it. Great, and anything I can help you know, I'll, I'll be there. Yep, I appreciate it and uh, thanks for being on the Real Guy Podcast. Great, have a happy holiday. <laughs>